This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to African News Tonight from the English to Africa service of The Voice of America, your source for Pan-African news and world developments. I'm Yehiya Suhib in Washington. Coming up on African News Tonight... And we have already made the necessary preparations to immediately uh, dispatch our next humanitarian supplies by air and by road. Uh, as soon as the humanitarian routes are open. Jude Van Wee, a spokesperson for the International Committee of the Red Cross on sending aid to Ethiopia's Tigray region. Details coming up. Also, the Tunisian Labour Union has rejected a key demand for the country to lift subsidies. And we interview one of the top candidates in Nigeria's presidential election. These stories and more on African News Tonight. First, our top story. Eight groups say they are ready to deliver much-needed food and medicine to Ethiopia's northern Tigray region after the warring sides agreed to a ceasefire Wednesday. But the unhindered access for aid has yet to happen, as Fred Harter reports from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. The deal between the Tigray rebels and Ethiopia's federal government commits federal officials to ensuring unhindered humanitarian access to Tigray which is in the grip of one of the world's biggest humanitarian crises. Some five million people there need humanitarian assistance, while doctors at the region's flagship Ida Hospital say they have run out of medicines to treat sick patients. Representatives of the World Food Programme and the International Committee of the Red Cross told VOA their organisations are ready to send trucks carrying air supplies into Tigray, but have not been given the green light yet by the federal government. Jude Finwi, a spokesperson for the ICRC in Ethiopia, welcomed the signing of the deal Wednesday, saying the conflict has caused vast civilian suffering since it broke out two years ago. The ICRC remains committed to supporting the population of northern Ethiopia, and we have already made the necessary preparations to immediately uh, dispatch our next humanitarian supplies by air and by road. Uh, as soon as the humanitarian routes are open. Roughly one-third of children and three-quarters of lactating mothers screened into Gray last week displayed signs of malnourishment. Meanwhile, fighting has displaced around half a million people in northwestern Tigray. Most of them are cut off from aid distributions. On Thursday, a spokesperson for the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs told reporters they are in contact with the government of Ethiopia and others to resume the movement of aid convoys and personnel to the cities of Mekele and Shire. Aid deliveries to Tigray have been severely restricted since the war in northern Ethiopia began. No aid trucks have entered the region since fresh fighting erupted on August 24. Aid deliveries have resumed to parts of the Amhara and Afar regions next to Tigray that were also affected by the fighting. Fred Harter for VOA News, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Meanwhile, authorities in Tigray say Ethiopia has carried out drone strikes on civilians less than two days after signing the peace deal. The French news agency AFP reported that a spokesman for the Tigray's People's Liberation Front, Kinde Gebrehuet, said on Twitter that the attacks occurred yesterday in the city of Macho. He did not specify casualty figures. So far, there has been no response by Ethiopia or the African Union. Not with that kind of measure. I think Tunisia definitely needs a new government. I think the, the current government... 
The Tunisian Labour Union has rejected a key international monetary fund demand for the country to lift subsidies. Former Education Minister Hatem Ben Salem said a war government is needed to save the deteriorating economy, saying he considers the current government unqualified to face the problem. VOA senior analyst Mohamed Al-Shanawi asked Mongi Daoudi, president of the Tunisian United Network, if that scenario could ease the economic crisis. Not with that kind of measure. I think Tunisia definitely needs a new government. I think the, the current government has shown that it does not have any solutions. It doesn't have answers for the many crises that Tunisia is facing. Having a smaller government, a more competent government is definitely needed. However, the key ingredients is the political solution. I think what Tunisia needs right now as a pre, uh, maybe requisite for this government that Mr. Bin Salem is talking about, is a political solution, is for Taisa Sayed to open dialogue with political parties who opponents, who the majority of them right now are opposing him. He needs to call everybody to the table, realize that Tunisia is in dire situation, is dire condition for a consensus around a government of the nature that Mr. Bin Salem is talking about. Then if there isn't a consensus, if there is an agreement among political you know, players, the major political players, then we can start talking about a government that's going to come in and basically try to save the economy. And definitely it has to reach outside the borders of Tunisia for extra help beyond the IMF loan and beyond these typical austerity measures that are required. Uh, it needs an infusion or fusion of cash, big capital that's going to take the economy and turn the wheels of the economy forward. And it's not going to be able to do that while the political situation is very is in crisis itself and very fragmented. So what's needed to ease the economic crisis while the Tunisian people are rejecting the austerity measures and the economic reform? Uh, I think it's going to be very... If Kai Saeed stays on this course, uh, it's, he's going to be facing the IMF pressure by himself. Not only that, but the, the big issue right now is even the conditions that it seems that the government of Kai Saeed has agreed to are not uh, explicit. They're not in the open. The Tunisian people are still don't know the details of this agreement. And therefore, if he's going to try to impose these austerity measures, He's going to be facing a major, major pushback from not only the political parties, but actually the common people, the common men who are actually suffering under these current circumstances. And these austerity measures by the IMF is going to make things worse. Your question is, how do we get out of this? Uh, I think it is to find a political solution for a transitional period with a transitional government, a smaller government that is focused, competent, and focused on solutions, and go to an early elections, parliamentary and presidential, that would hit the reset button, that would put the political track uh, set forth, and that will definitely bring some help from outside to get the country out of its economic crisis right now. That was Mongi Daoudi, president of Tunisian United Network, speaking with VOA senior analyst Mohamed El Shanawi. Refugees in Malawi's Zaleka camp, who were removed from a food rations list, have protested and seized a World Food Program vehicle.
The WFP removed about 600 refugee families from the list for receiving food rations in February, saying they were self-sustaining and citing inadequate funding. But more than half the families, mainly from the Democratic Republic of Congo, say they are now struggling with food insecurity. Lamek Masina reports from Blantyre, Malawi. The refugees started the protest Wednesday demanding the WFP officials resume providing them with rations, saying that living without food assistance has become unbearable. Early this year, WFP removed about 600 refugee families from the food ration list, saying the families were self-sustaining. However, more than half of the delisted refugees are holding protests around the camp challenging the assessment procedure. Ndainze Elwude is a refugee from Burundi who arrived at the Zaleka camp in 2002. I cannot wait so that I can feed my family. And I'm very hungry, but I am not castigating or insulting them. But I am just complaining that they did a little not uh, good to remove me from the list because now I am not managing to get some food to my household. The protesters are currently holding on to the vehicle they seized from WFP officials Wednesday during the protests. Actually, it is just an act of symbolizing that this car belongs to the company that would give us food and it has taken food from us. So now let us hold it so that the owners can know that we are here and we are hungry. Badri Bahaji is the head of communications for WFP in Malawi. He says the refugees took the car as the WFP officials left a meeting with partners on the camp premises. So the meeting went really well, but after 11.30, WFP staff and vehicle were prevented from leaving the camp. So the refugees around the WFP vehicle preventing it from leaving. The situation was handled without any violence. After a couple of hours, the staff members managed to leave the camp unharmed. Uh, but the WFP vehicle is still blocked in the camp. The refugees holding the vehicle say they were released only if the WFP put them back on the list of food ration recipients. Bahaji says the WFP will soon conduct a profiling exercise for all the households at the camp, which houses about 52,000 refugees. He says the exercise will provide an opportunity for all the refugees, including those taking off food ration assistance, to explain their food security situation. Lamek Masina for VOA News, Blanta, Malawi. You're listening to Africa News Tonight on The Voice of America. I'm Yehiyus Wuhib in Washington. Atiku Abu Bakar is one of the top candidates in Nigeria's presidential election in February. The former vice president is the flag bearer for the opposition People's Democratic Party, or PDP. He recently was in Washington and sat down for an interview with Aliya Mustafa, head of VOA's Hausa service. In this excerpt from their discussion, they start talking about the role of alliance in government. Alliances are normal phenomenon in a political dispensation. If there are reasons for us to go into alliances, we will go. For instance, I promise that even if we win overwhelmingly, I'm going to set up a government of national unity, meaning that I will reach out to other political parties to participate in the government so that we can, first of all, bring unity back to the country, bring stability. Unless you have unity and stability, all the programs you have lined up, 
to implement, you cannot implement them. We have done that in 1999. PDP won overwhelmingly. Mm -hmm. But because of the circumstances of the situation in the country, we formed a government of national unity. We brought AD, we brought AMPP, and so on. And then I think we made a success of that. So we have uh, the experience to do that. What are your thoughts on what is going on in the Sahel region to fight uh, against terrorism and the coup d'etat? Well, uh, my first and foremost is, is regrettable uh, that Nigeria has retreated uh, in terms of the security uh, of West Africa. In other words, uh, the standing force we used to have, ECOMOG, is no longer in place. And Nigeria is uh, retreating its leadership in West Africa. And uh, I have assured, uh, you know, West African leaders that uh, Nigeria will resume its leadership as far as uh, the security of the Sahel and West Africa is concerned. Should Nigeria as a leader play a much bigger role in the stabilization of the region? Definitely, yes. Uh, Nigeria has no alternative then to play such a role. And what do you think about how ECOWAS is handled in the regional crisis and what type of reform uh, would you propose? Uh, I don't believe the ECOWAS is as active as it used to be when we were in office. Uh, that's why I said uh, we are going to reinstate uh, you know, a, a common uh, force mm. to make sure, first of all, there is no uh, disruption to our democratic gains in Africa, in West Africa in particular. And also we try to use that standing force uh, you know, to uh, deal with insecurity challenges anywhere they may arise within the West African subregion. By the way, what's your take about this uh, American um, alert warning on terror and the measures they took to uh, evacuate their citizens from Nigeria? Uh, my belief is that there should have been uh, actually a dialogue between the American uh, security agencies or embassy and also the Nigerian authorities so that there is a common understanding and a common approach. Uh, I think uh, that's what should have been. What's your view about the, um, the effort to come up with this equal regional currency for the entire African continent? Is that something you support? Well, I, I don't know. Well, first of all, there, is, there are two things there. There is the West African common currency, right, yeah. which we support right. very much and which... Uh, uh, in fact, I have assured uh, uh, some West African leaders that I will pursue very, very vigorously. And then secondly, there was also the uh, inter-African trade right. uh, agreement, uh, which Nigeria has signed, uh, but is not uh, implementing it actively. Mm -hmm. So uh, our administration will make sure that that is very much implemented uh, throughout Africa. That was Nigeria's former Vice President Atiku Abubakar, who is running for president in the country's 2023 election. He was speaking with my colleague Aliya Mustafa, head of VOA's House of Service. There are 18 candidates in the presidential election, but four, including Abubakar, are thought to have the best chance of winning. The other three are Labour Party candidate Peter Obi, the new Nigerian People's Party candidate Rabiu Kwankwaso, and Bola Ahmed Tinubu with the ruling All Progressive Congress or APC. Under the Constitution, the current president, Mohamedou Buhari, cannot seek a third term. <music>
Cameroon says more than 1,000 Nigerians have crossed the border in the past three weeks, fleeing attacks from Boko Haram militants in northeast Borno State. Cameroon's overcrowded camps are struggling to feed the displaced Nigerians while also dealing with an outbreak of cholera. Moki Edwin Kindeka reports from Yaoundé, Cameroon. Cameroon's military says the Nigerians were displaced by a fresh wave of Boko Haram atrocities. Sule Dabaru is a community leader in Logon and Shari, the area in northern Cameroon, where most of the Nigerians have fled. He spoke Friday on Cameroon State Broadcaster CRTV. He says Amadabo village in Logon and Shari, an administrative unit on Cameroon's border with Nigeria, is most affected by an influx of people displaced by Boko Haram. He says the displaced Nigerians are from the town of Gamborungala and surrounding villages and adds that all the displaced Nigerians are from Borno State. 46-year-old Bulami Abakura says he trekked for several days from his village near Gamburu before Cameroonian officials took him to a village called Mafufu. Boko Haram killed people in Sikal village. Because of that, I am come to Cameroon. Now I am refugees in Mafufu village because of Boko Haram. Abakura said he doesn't know how many people were killed in the attack. He said he saw wounded people as he was escaping to Cameroon. VOA could not independently verify accounts of fresh Boko Haram atrocities in border localities. But Cameroon and the displaced persons say Boko Haram attacks have increased in border localities over the past three weeks. The Cameroon government says host communities and charity groups are providing food and water to the new arrivals. The World Food Program this week said it has a 40% shortfall of the $37.8 million it urgently needs to provide food and humanitarian assistance to several million people in Cameroon, including displaced Nigerians. The displaced Nigerians come as Cameroon is struggling to contain a cholera outbreak provoked by floods on its northern border with Nigeria and Chad. Logon and Shari reported 48 new cases of cholera this week. Manauda Malashi is Cameroon's Minister of Public Health. Manauda says Cameroon and humanitarian agencies have deployed health workers to the northern border with Nigeria to treat all cholera cases. He says health workers are educating displaced persons and host communities on prevention measures which he says are to respect basic hygiene rules. Manauda said he asked health workers to pay particular attention on the northern border because Nigeria also has reported a cholera outbreak. The Boko Haram conflict has left more than 36,000 people dead, mainly in Nigeria, while 3 million have been forced to flee their homes, according to the United Nations. Moki Edwin Kinzuka for VOA News, Yaoundé, Cameroon. Russia's diamonds escaped censor for the second time this year after a global meeting of diamond industry players declined to put the issue on the agenda. The European Union had led calls to classify Russia's gems as conflict diamonds. 
From Habrone, Botswana, reporter Mokandisi Dube has the details. In June, a stormy Kimberley Process Intersessional Meeting failed to discuss the status of Russia's demons in the wake of the country's invasion of the Ukraine. Meeting in Botswana's capital, some members of the Kimberley Process wanted Russia, a leading producer of diamonds, suspended from trading in what the body deemed to be conflict gems. The Kimberley Process is a diamond certification program created in 2003 to prevent trade in conflict diamonds. Fresh attempts led by the EU to classify Russia's diamonds as conflict gems fell flat in Habroni this week. Belgian-based diamond expert Hans McKate says it's unfortunate the Kimberley process is failing to reform. Uh, the, the consensus system in the Kimberley process makes it too easy for just a small minority to hold everyone hostage. And the consensus model is, is really being abused uh, to veto discussions and to veto any progress. And the problem, of course, is that status quo is, is, is not just status quo, with the challenges growing ever larger and, and the world around the KP evolving, a status quo actually means a digression that is really in uh, this world that uh, is bypassing the Kimberley process. For an item to be on the agenda at the Kimberley process plenary, all participants must be in agreement. However, some members objected to the discussion of the Russia issue in Havaronim. Smithsomlev, the spokesperson of the Kimberley Process Civil Society Coalition, says such matters can only be resolved if there are reforms. We are solving today's problems uh, using uh, a solution which was set up 20 years ago. We have had the reform cycle before as uh, the Kimberley process, but uh, it's unfortunate that uh, that reform cycle came to an end without any meaningful progress having been made uh, during that cycle. Bozona President Mukwezi Masisi acknowledged the challenges of leading the diamond body amid Russia's invasion of Ukraine. I also wish to acknowledge and thank you, all of you, for the support that you have rendered us to successfully carry out the duties of chairing the KP during the current challenging socio-economic political landscape. Today, Zimbabwe assumed the Kimberley Process Chairmanship for the next 12 months. For VOA, this is Mkondisi Dube in Habroni, Botswana. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yeheyes Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments in the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokbilia Baro, and our engineer, Cedric Franklin, thanks for choosing The Voice of America. host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music, 
Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel, host of Press Conference USA, VOA's newsmaker interview program. Join us each Saturday and Sunday when we talk with authors, analysts, and policymakers who provide fresh insight on topics ranging from U.S. politics and foreign policy to science, culture, and global health. You can listen to Press Conference USA on the radio or online at voanews.com slash PCUSA. While you're visiting our website, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love to hear from you. Just send an email to PCUSA at voanews.com or connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voa or on Twitter at voa. That's Press Conference USA every Saturday and Sunday 